Mormonism can sound Christian. The name, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, names Jesus Christ, and its members affirm things like the resurrection. They also attend services, pray, give, do missionary work, seek to do good. But as the saying goes, things are not always what they seem. While Mormons use Christian vocabulary, they often mean different things and do in fact reject essential Christian doctrines. Hello and welcome to The Pactum, episode 99 on Mormonism. I'm Pat Abendroth, joined with Mike Grimes. Mike, are you ready to get your Mormonism on? I am ready to get my Mormonism on. I'm ready to talk about Mormonism here on episode 99 of The Pactum. Uh But hey, but first... We want to let everyone know about an upcoming event we have for the Pactumverse. Indeed. Yes, I think we've mentioned this on previous episodes, but on Friday, January 13th. Friday the 13th. That's right. We're going to be on the campus of Westminster Seminary, California. I'm going to wear a Jason mask. (laughs) And we'll be there on Friday the 13th. Pactum, along with No Compromise Radio, Theocast, and Heidelcast, all together for a live recording of a podcast. We'd love for you to come to be a part of that if you want to join us. It's Friday, January 13th, 5 p.m. on the campus of Westminster Seminary, California. It's just before their faculty conference that they're having on Friday and Saturday. We'd encourage you to go to that conference, uh, but if you're available and uh, would love to join us at the pre-conference podcast posh I see. I'm trying the alliteration thing. I can't do it like you. We love gonna, to see you there. Yeah, it's gonna be a great time. I think we uh, from Omaha. We've got I don't know maybe a dozen or so people heading out for that. I think so. Yeah, attending the conference, yep. doing all kinds of stuff. So it should be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the gospel, things that we hold near and dear, as far as even the four different ministries. Right. Yeah. Should be a great time. Yep. That's right. So, but today, today it is today. going to be all about Mormonism because yes. Mormonism is not Orthodox. We'd no. have to say it is. Heterodox, Heterodox, right? Yes. And uh, so we're going to talk about some of the things like their doctrine of God, their rejection of the biblical gospel, but we're also going to talk about other things that are maybe just even things that evangelicals and Christians are going to find strange. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yep. So we'll talk about coffee. We'll talk about coffee. transgenderism. Coffee's not strange. The Mormon take on coffee <laughs> okay. is strange. So, okay. and again, not to make fun, although we like to have fun on the pactum. But if you're not a Mormon, you hear about the stuff and you think that's that's weird. Yeah, that's yeah. that's strange. Yeah. Huh. So I like Mormons. I don't like Mormonism. Um, but in fact, one of my very favorite days in all of my life, as oh. far as an athlete is concerned. Okay. Uh, so I uh, I won a category one two Criterium race. So Mike, that's a bicycle that, race. That sounds okay. I was and I, I won because my Mormon my teammate who's a Mormon who was faster than I was, he mm. said, you know what, Pat, you're going to win today. So he helped me win. So Whoa, on that particular cool. day, I was almost ready to become a Mormon. <laughs> 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 Not really, but I am saying that I have friends who are Mormon and uh, we disagree, you know, strongly about the most important things in the whole world, but it, can't, sure. it doesn't yeah. mean we can't be friends. Right. Yeah. Yep. So where did, where did Mormon, as we start talking about Mormonism, let's yes. start with where it all began. Where did Mormonism start? Where did it begin? Once upon a time. Oh, story time here. Let me get on the Pactum sofa. <laughs> so this is what Mormons say about the founding of Mormonism. So this is what's called the restoration of the church. Here we huh. go. When Jesus Christ, according to Mormonism, was on the earth, he established his church among his followers. So far, so good. That's my commentary. <laughs> After his crucifixion and the deaths of his apostles, the fullness of the gospel was taken 
taken taken from the earth because of widespread apostasy. Uh-huh. So I okay. think I think they're becoming apostate now, yep, but yep. that is what they're saying. I'll keep reading. Through the prophet Joseph Smith, our Father in heaven and his son Jesus Christ restored the fullness of the gospel. The true church of Jesus Christ is on the earth again because, here we go, because of the restoration. Mm. The teachings and ordinances necessary for salvation are available to all people. So it's called, it's what they call the restoration. The restoration it okay. does make them part of this movement that I would call the restoration movement from the 19th century. It would also, also include other groups like Christian churches or churches of Christ or disciples of Christ or Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. Uh, they're all part of this kind of restoration movement where, you know, all the denominations are bad and all historic Christianity is bad. All the confessions are bad. So we've got to start over. Hmm. Uh, Mormonism would have different doctrines than some of those other groups we just mentioned. Sure. Yeah. But they're all part of this kind of restoration kind of movement. Yeah. So what they end up saying in the Doctrine and Covenants is that the Lord declared this, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth is the LDS church. Hmm. So early spring, 1820, seeking the true church of Jesus Christ, 14-year-old Joseph Smith prayed in a grove of trees near his home in Palmyra, New York. In answer to his humble prayer, of course, it was a humble prayer, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ visited him, supposedly, and told him that he must not join any of the churches on earth at this time. So again, they're, they're apostate. They're all wrong and bankrupt and twisted and perverse and all of those other kinds of things. So we're going to restore it and we're going to get things back to what it was supposed to be. So that's kind of uh, a history of Mormonism in a nutshell, as far as where it started, how it started, Joseph Smith, special revelation to him. And we need to get back to what's true and biblical, get rid of all of the in a sense, it's biblicism. Get rid of all the creeds and confessions. Get mm. rid of all yeah. the establishment. Right. And we have to start over because we've got it right because everything else is so wrong. Right. Yep. And okay. typically, we would say when you hear that kind of thing, run. Yeah. That's not a great thing. You want to be right? looking so to follow that. We have the a red flag. Right. Jude says it's a once and for all delivered to the saints' faith. And we believe that God can preserve the once and for all delivered to the saints' faith. Uh, Yes, there are bad uncles. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> there, there are deviant bad actors along the way, but there's always been the true faith. And so we, we, would, we would push against this sort of stuff. Right. So, so now, go ahead. I would say maybe we work our way through some of the doctrines uh, that uh, we would want to see what it is they believe, what they teach about some things like doctrine of God, doctrine of salvation, redemption, sin, things like that. Um, let me start with doctrine of God. Uh, What is it that the Mormons would teach? And this could be a pretty short episode because if they get the doctrine of God wrong, then it's all everything else is wrong. And this is a mistake that sometimes people make. They think, oh, they talk about salvation by grace through faith. They talk about Jesus resurrection. But before we go there, you have to say, all right, what do do they believe about God? If if you get that wrong, the other stuff can't be right. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Um, Categorically different God in Mormonism Uh, from the God of biblical Christianity, Joseph Smith, the founder, 1844. Here's what he says. Listen carefully. He says this, God himself was once as we are now. Mm. Hmm. And is an exalted man. So God is an exalted man, really? Now, Christians are going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think, oh, sometimes somehow they're talking about Christ, the incarnate Incarnate, one, but but they're actually not. So keep listening. Uh, And sits enthroned in yonder heavens. 
It is the first principle of the gospel, they say, to know for a certainty the character of God and that he was once a man. Oh, here we go. God was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the father of us all, notice Mm. they're talking about the father, dwelt on an earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did. Right? Mike has the whistle effect. The pactum whistle effect goes (laughs) off because this is entirely and totally different from what the Bible teaches about God and what any and all Christians have ever thought to be true about God. Yeah. But maybe from a little bit different stream, this is Lorenzo Snow, fifth president of the LDS Church, and uh, he has a famous or maybe infamous uh, couplet. It's this, as man now is, God once was. Oh, and then it goes on to say, he goes on to say, as God now is, man may be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah. Both of them. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, so what we have is we have, it, it ends up being polytheistic. It's, yeah. Christianity right. is monotheistic. Right. Uh, Trinitarian, yes, but there's one God in biblical Christianity. Listen to what Isaiah 43, 10 says. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Hmm. So there's one God. There's only ever been one God, and there only always and forevermore will only be one One God, God. Isaiah 43, 10. Isaiah 45 is similar in verses 5 and 6. I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. There is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Hmm. So we go from polytheism, many gods in Mormonism, so potentially there are many gods because you can become God. Right, yeah. Whereas in biblical Christianity, it's, you know, there's only ever been one God. There only is one God. There only ever, always, and forever <laughs> will be one God. So Deuteronomy 6, Romans chapter 16. Uh, it's so we're, we're radically different as religions. We're not different denominations. Uh, Mormonism is not Christian in right, any yes. way, shape, or form in the historic sense. Yep. And we're not trying to be mean-spirited or cantankerous or anything like right, that. Yeah. But their God is different. And if their God is different, that means their Christ is different. Yes, yeah. That means their resurrection is different. And on and on it goes. Um, it, it's categorically different. They might have some of our same vocabulary, yep. and they do. Um, but the difference is a vital one, and it means actually we're talking about an entirely different religion. Their redemption is different. Their salvation is different because we're talking about a different God. Yeah, I th- that is hugely important. Pact and verse, don't miss that, that we're talking about who is God. And when you look at what the Mormonism, what Mormons teach, yes. I mean, it's it's false. It's yes. not anywhere close uh, to what the God of the Bible, who he is. We're talking about theology proper. And if you can't get theology proper, proper right, in one sense, we don't need to invest any more time talking about other things. Right, yeah. Because we for sure are talking about a different God. Right. But Thanks we, for listening to Pactum. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but we are going to move on yes. and talk about the doctrine of salvation. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it also is going to be unorthodox. It's going to be heterodox. It's not going to be orthodox. So right, yeah. whatever docs you'd like to use... Um, <laughs> that's what we're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. so from the Book of Mormon, uh, yeah. we do read that it is by grace that we are saved, and we're like, oh, oh see? hey, yeah, let's do the kumbaya and hold hands and do that kind of stuff. <laughs> let's, let's do ministry together. So they do say it is by grace that we are saved, but in that's a quotation from Second Nephi. 2523, yep. uh, but it goes on to say immediately after it is by grace we are saved after. 
all we can do. Yes. Oh, boy. That's the exact opposite <laughs> of what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. Right, yeah. And so um, there, there we have it. It's, an, it's different. Uh, there, it's for good reason that Ephesians 2 says that God makes us al- alive together with him because we were dead in trespasses and sins. So it's not after all we can do because... We can't, can't do, do anything. Yeah. We, our, our doer is broken right? because <laughs> we're dead in trespasses and <laughs> sins. So that's why Christianity, biblical Christianity, is monergistic. Right. So yep. one working, God working, uh, whereas Mormonism is synergistic because yes. we're working together with God. Second Nephi 25-23. I think you say Nephi, not I- yeah, that's what I've always said. I think said, a, long, a long time ago on an episode, we talk, we quoted that, and it, we, we said... Do we say Nephi? For, for fun, we said Nephi. I don't remember. Just because we wanted to say it that way. The second Nephi. I think it's Nephi. I believe so. Uh, in addition, Mormonism says that, we, that salvation is based on our faithfulness. Hmm. I just saw it on their website. Based on our faithfulness, when in reality, biblical Christianity says we're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone because it's all the work of Christ. Right. Yeah. Faithfulness is good, but that's the result of being saved by grace alone through faith alone. Right. Uh, so it's not based upon faithfulness as Mormonism teaches. So again, the podcast could end here. Right. Uh, but we know you probably are driving somewhere or yeah, we doing more get you housework <laughs> and we want to get you there. So we're going to keep going. Right. And, uh, but really, we, sh- we should be able to stop with the first problem. Now we have the second problem. Maybe the next problems are problematic, but they're not as, in my opinion, they're not as near as severe as the first two. The first two, sure. first two are deal breakers. Yeah, yeah. So next we're going to talk about doctrine of redemption and sin. What is it that they teach and believe about that? This is a kind of bizarre one, I think. Yeah. Do, you want, do you want to read what they say? This is in a lot of the resources we're consulting, different resources, uh, but the church, it's called churchofjesuschrist.org. Church of yep, yep. It's really helpful. Yeah. So what they say about uh, the doctrine of redemption and sin on this website, it teaches that, quote, Jesus Jesus' atoning sacrifice took place in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross at Calvary. Say what? Yes. I'll say it again. (laughs) Jesus' atoning sacrifice took place in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross at Calvary. Emphasis added there. Yeah. Interesting. So their atonement is happening in the Garden. Yes. Yes. For them, atonement happens in the Garden and... That's that's pretty bizarre to think about. Yes. Huh. I think Jesus was there suffering, absolutely, and he was suffering as a representative on our behalf. But to, to have atonement be happening in the garden, I, that that's not traditional classic Orthodox Christianity. It's kind of Mormon deviation. Yeah. Strange talk. Yep. Yeah. They also say on their website, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, each person can repent and be forgiven of these sins. Pactum verse, listen to to listen to that. Think about that. Yeah. What is wrong with saying through the atonement of Jesus Christ, each person can repent and be forgiven of these sins? Well, what's wrong with that is the fact that that's an atonement that doesn't atone. Yeah. Because if it's an atonement that then somehow enables you to repent and then be forgiven, right. it's actually it's it's crazy crazy sauce. Right? Did Jesus actually save when he died on the cross, right. or did he make us save a bull by yeah. our own doing? Right? Ab- absolutely, it's yeah. not potential atonement; it's actual atonement. And if there is actual atonement, it means God's wrath is appeased, yes. yeah. and forgiveness comes because of atonement. Yep. So in Mormonism, they're saying atonement in, the, in other places, it's going to be universal. So there's this universal atonement, but it may not be effective, apparently. There needs to, after that, be this uh, something else that happens for, for forgiveness. So hmm. 
uh, that's a problem. It's not one of potentiality in biblical Christianity. It is an atonement that atones um, and is actual. Yeah. So for the elect, again, for those who would come to believe in Christ. Yeah. Let's talk about revelation because this is another big one because in Mormonism they have extra spe- – well, they have special revelation beyond the Bible. Right, yeah. So extra special extra revelation, special. but I didn't mean it in a good way. <laughs> Here it goes. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are blessed to be led by living prophets, hmm. inspired men, called to speak for the Lord, as did Moses, Isaiah, Peter, Paul, Nephi, Mormon, and other prophets of the Scriptures. We sustain – the president of the church as prophet, seer, and revelator. The only person on the earth who receives revelation to guide the entire church. They go on to say, we can always trust the living prophets. And our greatest safety lies in strictly following the word of the Lord given through his prophets, particularly in the current president of the church. Hmm. That makes Mormonism different than biblical Christianity, (laughs) for sure. Sure, Um, It also, intriguingly enough, makes Mormonism kind of a, I think it makes it a moving target. Oh, sure, yeah. Because what one president says might be different from what another president says. It depends on what the president's saying, what they're going after, what they're teaching, what they're all about. It allows them to maybe make some changes and shifts and keep up with the times, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah. So huge contrast because the Bible is going to say uh, no such thing. The Bible is going to claim that it is inspired by God, that it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, um, making the man of God complete, equipped for every good work, Second yep. Timothy three sixteen and 17. And so we're going to say that the Bible alone is the authentic, today's authentic and scripturated revelation from God to be trusted. And we're not going to trust the president who lives in Utah. Yeah. Is, is what we're going to say because of what the Bible teaches. And so we don't think we have ongoing new revelation. Uh, we have uh, special revelation inscripturated. We don't need to have it ongoingly, passing with the time of the apostles, the legitimate apostles. And so that's what we're going to say in response. And Christians have been saying this for a long time. Yeah. yeah. There might be some deviation by certain crazy, wild-eyed charismatics, <laughs> um, but they sound more like Mormons right, than yeah. historic Christians. Yes, yes. So to give you a, a take on uh, how Christians have spoken historically, here's a Protestant confession on the matter. The Holy okay. Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Mm. So our confessions don't add to Scripture. They're not equal to Scripture. Right. Uh, But they do say, hey, here's what Christians agree to, and that is Scripture and Scripture alone. It's not someone else. It's not new revelation. Uh, The confession goes on to say the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary, calls the Holy Scriptures most necessary, uh, and then it says they are now completed. Yeah. So there's that, now completed, our confession is going to say. Uh, also going on, I'm, this is from the Second London Confession, so Protestant Confession. The infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. Hmm. So not only do we have Scripture and Scripture alone as what we trust as God's special revelation, not a living prophet president, uh, but even how we interpret the Scripture doesn't come from some special 
holy man, prophet, getting new revelation on the meaning of Scripture, right, right, yeah. Scripture actually is its own infallible interpreter. So yeah. please notice this is a massive difference between uh, Christians from Protestants, from our confession, what we agree to as Christians, and Mormonism and their extra-biblical revelations. Uh, we're probably not stating it strong enough. I yeah. mean, we're miles apart, massively, hugely, religions apart, different uh, the two of us are. Yeah. Yep. How about Book of Mormon? What do they say about the Book of Mormon? The Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith said that the Book of Mormon is, quote, the keystone of our religion, and a man will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. Okay. So, so it's pretty important. It's pretty important. And Second yeah. Nephi says the exact opposite thing we just quoted from the Book of Mormon yep. than the Bible says. So I don't trust Joseph Smith if yep. that's what he says about the Book of Mormon. Right. Because yeah. it's ex- borrowing the same words yes. and teaching the exact, not the exact, but the exact opposite <laughs> of what the Bible says in Second Tim, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter two, eight and nine. Right. Yeah. Uh, doctrines and covenant, doc, the doctrine and covenants also would make such grandiose claims. Right. Yeah. Uh, cl- claiming to have revelation from Joseph Smith, so that's why they're going to include this as well. Uh, referred to as the foundation of the church in these key last days, and a benefit to the world, showing that the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom of our Savior are again in trusted to man. Hmm. So Doctrine and Covenants um, is going to make such claims as that. We also have the Pearl of Great Price, and we're not talking about the parable. No. We're talking about um, what they say contains the Book of Moses, the Book of Abraham, the Prophet Joseph Smith's inspired translation of Matthew 24. So again, more revelation, more revelation, more revelation, uh, more special revelation. So it's equal to, it is considered scripture. Yeah. So I need to take a breath after all of that. That's a whole lot of revelation. <laughs> it's a lot of revelation. So that's just a little smattering, uh, if you will, of some of the, the doctrines or teachings of the Mormon church. And, and as how we see they're just completely at odds they are. with biblical Christianity. And what you'll find is so many things that are in those books sound and they have a biblical sound to them sometimes, and in part that's because he took things from the King James Bible. Sure, and yeah. uh, it's it's no accident that they sound like Bible things. Yeah, but when you read what they say, they sound like they contradict the Bible. Yeah, uh, because they do, in fact. Yes, absolutely. All right. So maybe some uh, miscellaneous oddities uh, we could talk about. <laughs> things that might be odd to us, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Things that might be odd to Christians, as you're hearing about Mormons. Yep. One thing that might be helpful uh, that maybe isn't the oddity is the fact that they say that the King James Bible is the right Bible. Huh. So uh, when I've talked to that. Mormons before and had opportunity to write things to maybe give to them, I did use the King James Bible because I thought, well, if this you know helps bridge the, bridge the gap, sure. yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to do that. I wasn't aware of that. Huh. So I don't think they actually believe the theology of the King James Bible sure, because yeah. the Book of Mormon contradicts it. But there's just something to keep aware of. Uh, let's talk about their eschatology, their yeah. view of the end. Let's talk about their universality. Let's talk about their plural marriage, yes, yep. their premortality, their view of race. Man, we got we have we got a all list here. kinds of we things got a here. List here. So Latter-day Revelation confirms, this is according to Mormonism, the teaching of the Bible on these matters and verifies that there are three general categories or glories to which the members of the human family will be assigned in the judgment following their resurrection from the grave. Okay, here we go. These are known as the celestial, terrestrial, and the telestial 
kingdoms. Uh, all right. I think I said it right. Yes, I think you did. Celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. Okay, good yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> so those are like the three different... Sun, moon, and stars. That they they liken it, them to those maybe, three things. Yeah. Okay, so there, you might be assigned to one of those three places. Yep, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's not really biblical Christianity. Yeah. So I distinctly remember having a conversation when I was growing up with a fellow student in high school about this exact thing. He was he and his family were Mormon. Okay, and I remember riding on the bus, and he was trying to explain to some of us. Uh, these different levels, if you will, really, uh, yeah, of heaven or glory that uh, people would be going to. Huh. Did the were, wheels on the bus go round and round? I, <laughs> they were trying. We were trying. <laughs> okay. But so I've heard that. It's 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 interesting. I've only heard one person talking about it before, and I didn't really understand. But it's because I was thinking like the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it was interesting too because we were all really trying to understand what he was explaining. A few hmm. of us were, and. It didn't make sense. They go on to say, in addition to the degrees of glory, there is a place of no glory called perdition. Hmm. So there is that. Uh, It's reserved for those who commit the unpardonable sin. And I don't even know what that is according to Mormonism. I'll just plead ignorance. Um, But they do seem to be soft on condemnation, although there Hmm. is this place of perdition. Sure. Uh, It sounds pretty universalistic. You just might be in different places. Yeah. to be honest, I have this just brings up more questions for me. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah. the next time I'm on a long bicycle ride with my former teammate, I'm going to ask him about the three, about three the, levels. Ask about those who goes levels. where based upon what and how can that relate to maybe your own planet that you're going to populate? Right. Yep. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really would like to know. Yeah. I'd be curious what their unpardonable sin is as well. Yep. Maybe yeah. doing podcasts critiquing Mormonism. Possibly. Possibly. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. So you mentioned they're universalistic. Yeah. About... You did, I think you get that flavor that yeah, I think so. there's a sense of kind of universalism going on. They say Jesus Christ redeems all people from the effects of the fall. Wow. That, mm. that, that's, that's saying something. Yeah, it is. Jesus but... redeems all people from the effects of the fall. Well, I, if that were true in a biblical sense, that's universalism. Mm-hmm. So it's all taken care of right. because as Bible-believing Christians, we don't think Jesus came to make people redeem a bull, right, right. even though some Arminians kind of give yep, that flavor. Yep, a little flavor there, um, yeah. But we don't think that's biblical. He, re- he, he provided a perfect redemption. He bought us out of the slave market of sin. That's the idea of redemption. He set us free. So, But they say he redeems all people from the effects of the fall. So, so we're back to square one. I don't know. Uh, now we, th- there are no effects of the fall. Hmm. Uh, this yeah. poses a lot of questions. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Problems. They say all people who have ever lived on the earth and whoever will live on the earth will be resurrected and brought back into the presence of God to be judged. I'm okay with yep. that part. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Um, we just learned about that in the book of Acts. Through the Savior's gift of mercy and redeeming grace, we will all receive the gift of immortality and l- see the gift of immortality. We might mm. be immortal, but as a gift, that doesn't sound biblical because that would be positive and live forever in glorified resurrected bodies, maybe resurrected unto condemnation. Sure, yeah. But the glorified part, that that, that doesn't jive yeah, with the way the Bible presents biblical theology. Right. So yeah. gift, glorified body, that would be for the redeemed who are also the saved who've come to believe in Jesus. Right, yep. So that's different for sure. That is heterodox yes. and things that make you go, hmm, as... Hmm. <laughs> Reformed evangelical Christians. Right. Now, a lot of people, when they think of Mormonism, they think of this next one, uh, plural marriage. Okay, they do? I think so. Okay. I think I, I think a lot of people that I've talked to, when they think Mormon, they think 
many wives. All right. Let's do it. Here's what they say. It gets kind of interesting. By revelation, remember the president gets special revelation. Yes, yes. Right? The Lord commanded Joseph Smith to institute the practice of plural marriage among churches, church members in the early 1840s. Might have been in the 1940s. Who knows? <laughs> so plural marriage um, instituted by the founder of the movement. Um, one reason they give is because they, they needed to be seen as a peculiar people. And I'll bet that made them seem exactly. like a peculiar people I think so. uh, when you had many sister wives. Yes. Isn't that a show? Yes, it is. I've yep. never seen it. I thankfully. haven't either. Okay. So um, now they eventually went on to say that, that they don't have plural marriage. The same revelation that taught of plural marriage was embedded within a revelation about eternal marriage, though. Hmm. How about that? Which is another Mormon doctrine. Right, you can have yes. an eternal marriage. Yeah. And sometimes you see, even on advertisements, what a wonderful thing it is to be a Mormon because your family's going to last forever. Forever, yeah. Uh huh. They go on to say the teaching that marriage could last beyond death. So, uh, some pretty strange stuff yes. um, going on here. And Jesus is the one who said in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So as Bible-believing Christians, we would say it's great to be married. It's a great gift from God. It's wonderful and awesome and amazing. I can't wait to see my wife in heaven, but she won't be my wife. Right, yeah. <laughs> and she won't be populating a celestial planet with me. <laughs> right. Along with, my, along with her sister wives. Yes, correct. <laughs> so, and, and joking aside, it gets pretty... Um, it gets pretty strange to try to say that this is a revelation from God saying you're going to have many wives. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I think it sounds like a religion that man made. I, yes, I was going to say. Amen. Amen made, made that religion. Uh, yeah. For yeah. this. Yeah. So um, it seems a little bit out of touch. Yeah. How about pre-mortality? So, <laughs> now we're getting life before. We're going from the different to the different. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's maybe, talk about maybe, life before, before we be, were even born. Right. Before we go there, it's like, okay, so why why was it that you should have many wives and then all this, and that's revelation from God. And yeah. then you have a revelation from God that says you shouldn't. And I'm like, I, I that doesn't seem right to me. And what does it have to at what point was it because it's what the law of the land said and you have yeah. to obey the government? Right. Yeah, we had some government issues there. I think that's a problem. Yeah, I think it it's a red flag at the minimum. At the bare minimum. Now, Mike started talking about yeah, pre-mortality. Pre life before we're even born. I'll confess I did not ever, ever know about this until I was on churchofjesuschrist.org. Yeah, learning I, intriguing things. Yeah, fascinating. It says, in our pre-earth life, we lived in the presence of our Heavenly Father as His Spirit children. We did not have a physical body. Pre, what pre-earth life? Yes, in this pre. So you were alive and okay. before you were born, you okay. didn't have a physical body. In the presence of the heavenly Father, it says, "In this pre-mortal existence, we attended a council with heavenly Father's other spirit children. At that council, heavenly Father presented his great plan of happiness." That I, I is new to me. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. I I don't either. Because I, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say I, about it either. Yeah. I think it's made up. I think so. Okay. That's that's wild. So. I used to like to whisper in the microphone, but the current president does that kind of thing, and it's creepy. Oh. So is it creepy when I whisper in the microphone? Yes. No, I don't think so. I mean, if you do it for dramatic I effect. I won't touch your shoulders yeah. when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's why we sit across the table. It's from true. Each other. 
It's true. <laughs> oh, there are also issues that we find intriguing as uh, non-Mormons about Mormonism because uh, of past racist kinds of things that they have supposedly done because of revelation from God, yeah. So, which yep. again makes the whole thing suspicious and suspect. So President Brigham Young, second president, successor to Joseph Smith, uh, publicly announced that men of black African descent could no longer be ordained to the priesthood. Hmm. Uh, and goes on to elaborate on that, or the site does, the Mormon, Mormonism site does. So that's rather strange because then they go on later on to say, actually, it's okay. So again, how can it be legitimate yeah. revelation from God to the president, Brigham Young? And then later on, there's more revelation to say, well, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And I would suggest it has to do with culture changes um, and it's bogus. Right. So yeah. it's just a sign of fake religion claiming revelation that's not true and then the times change and so they yep. make their changes well and it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the episode the doctrine of revelation that it all is tied up particularly in the current president it is. so it is. they can it's, and flow and change it's fluid it changes yep all right one i was curious about would be coffee because coffee. Um, mormons don't drink coffee they're not supposed to drink coffee but sometimes people say mormons aren't supposed to drink caffeine seriously so yeah i didn't know that well, I That's, well, wow. I think it might be a misunderstanding or they made a change. I'm not really sure. Okay, all right. So uh, basically, here's what, here's what it says. In 1921, the Lord inspired President Heber J. Grant, I think that's how you say his name, sorry if I butchered the first name, uh, to call on all saints to live the word of wisdom to the letter by completely abstaining from all alcohol, coffee, tea, and tobacco. Hmm. Today, church members are expected to live this higher standard. Hmm. So, and I think originally it said hot drinks or something like that. And so oh, that has to do with the, the coffee and the tea. So apparently Mountain Dew is okay. Um, well, there you go. Although fascinatingly enough, um, at BYU, they didn't serve any caffeinated drinks from what I read until 2017. Oh. And then they got the soda machines. Then came the caffeine. Then came the caffeine on campus at least. Too many students <laughs> sleeping in class. <laughs> it was kind of fascinating to read some news articles just about the whole debate and going back and forth. And, you know, some people say that they changed their theology when a Mormon bought Pepsi. <laughs> and I am not saying that. I'm not saying that that's true, but it's just interesting the accusations that are made when you start reading newspapers and things like that. So apparently uh, it's not that they can't drink caffeine. It's that they can't drink coffee or tea. So they can't drink tobacco either, but I think that, <laughs> now we're confusing things. You're right. They can't smoke tobacco. Right, right. So <laughs> there's that. Okay. How about the testimony? Have you ever talked to Mormons and they talk about a testimony? Uh, and they've shared their testimony of how they came to believe the Book of Mormon is true and Joseph Smith is his prophet, God's prophet, and all that kind of stuff or not? I don't think I have. Okay. Ever. No. Yeah, I've been uh, in someone's home when they started talking this way. And okay. apparently the testimony is a big deal. Um, hmm. And it has to do, you know, you share your testimony of how you came to believe these things. It's really foundational to Mormon living. And the more you do it, the better it is. Um, so hmm. kind of interesting. That is interesting. Um, so they want to testify. Here's what it says on their site. They want to testify that, that Christ carried out the infinite atonement. I would have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. That Joseph Smith is the prophet of God who was called to restore the gospel. And he goes on to say that LDS is the way. So you're supposed to have this testimony and it's just part of your life and part of what you do in your, in your journey through life as a Mormon. And you share it with other people and it helps you to grow spiritually. So hmm. the testimony. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that has to do with the burning in your bosom. 
I don't know. I'm serious. <laughs> you want to see Maybe. Mike Grimes' face go, what? what? Where did he that... just did the total Scooby-Doo on I it. I did. <laughs> so I, in all seriousness, I wonder if it's related to that. So you come to know that it's true, supposedly, oh, from sure. this internal yeah. emotional kind of feeling. I wonder if that has to do with the testimony. Another question I'm going to ask on a long bicycle ride there you go Mormon friends all right so then maybe on a final note which is not really a positive note but uh, I was doing some research recently because we were talking about um, transitioning and transsexuality and the transing all that stuff yeah and so I looked up what Mormons believe about this and on that same website churchofjesuschrist.org they talk about it and I thought it was kind of fascinating in light of the fact that they have special revelation from God. Yeah. But sometimes it seems their special revelation changes with the times. And it made me wonder, what are they going to say about trans? Hmm. So I was happy uh, that they basically said, you know, it's not it's not good. It's not a positive thing. Uh, they, you know, don't get the medical changes, don't get the surgical changes. And if you do, there will be consequences, basically. Hmm. They sure. say there okay. will be church members, membership restrictions. No, oh, okay. So, and they don't want you to dress on, you know, like the other sex. They don't want social transitioning, change of pronouns or names, or you might have restrictions. But then they do say, um, rather interestingly enough, um, that sometimes hormone therapy might be okay if it's by a licensed professional Hmm. um, to ease gender dysphoria. Thought that made me go, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, then they said, if these members are not attempting to transition to the opposite gender and are worthy, that's a big deal in Mormonism. Mm-hmm. They, they do have yeah. to be worthy. Yeah. Um, they may receive church callings. Temple uh, tecle, temple recommends. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and temple ordinances, so they can be taking the med. They can be on the meds, uh, and as long as they're not trying to go to the opposite gender, then they're like in good standing still. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then the final thing I read was, if a member decides to change his or her preferred name or pronoun, pronouns of address, the name preferences may be noted in the preferred name field on the membership record. So it's okay to do that. Hmm. The person may be addressed by the preferred name in the ward. So it seems like they're trying to be traditional about it, but they're also yeah, maybe they're... open to some non-traditional takes on this. Right. And uh, I have heard uh, just you know, rumors and just reading different things in the news that there seems to be a bit of a drift, at least amongst some of the leaders, um, toward the left. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> things that make Think, you Abby go, say, all these, hmm. huh? Hmm. Now, but, but, and realize since you can get special revelation from God. So let's think about the race thing. Sure. They were against black people, uh, experiencing all of the blessings of Mormon life. And then now they're for it. And we're thankful for that. Sure. Don't get us wrong. Right. We're yeah. thankful that they're not racist like they used to be. Yep. But with that said, it's because of new revelation. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we're not pro trans, but if the pressures come high enough, guess what can happen? Yeah. We can get new revelation from God to tell us it's okay. Right. Ebbs and flows, so, moving target. Yeah. This is, this makes it distinctly different than authentic biblical Christianity because we believe what we believe, not because we're perfect, not because we don't make mistakes or we have some strange uncles in the bunch, right. yep. because we do. 
Um, we don't have a perfect history, but we do have a perfect revelation from God, and it can't change by definition. We don't want it to change by definition, even if it might mean great persecution or great conflict uh, posed to us by the outside watching world. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Pactum today for this discussion on Mormonism. Uh, a reminder, if you're in the Escondido area on Friday, January 13th, we'd love to see you with the Pactum No Compromise Radio Theocast and Heidelcast for a live podcast there. We'd love to see you at that. You can find us online, Instagram and Twitter. You can be emailing us, connect at thepactum.org. See you next time on The Pactum. <laughs>